Hello and welcome. Matthew Grant here. Great to have you with us. Well, the Easter break may be time off for some, but we had a record number of downloads for the podcast last Sunday. Now, please do keep telling us what you think. This week, though, we've got a different view of the world of insurance and innovation with Jamie Webb and James Gadbury of Castero Brokers. Well, we might be buying our personal insurance directly these days, but brokers still pay a key role when it comes to all but the simplest of coverage. Castero goes one step further and finds solutions for risks that are unusual and often hard to place, but which are solving some of the world's insurance protection gaps. Intrigued to learn more? Then you are in the right place. Jamie, delighted to have you. I know in your profession that Friday lunchtime is really important when you're a broker, uh, when the most important things happen. So thank you for carving out your Friday lunchtime to talk to me. Delighted to have you. James, where are you calling in from today? Funny, I'm from Leatherhead at home, so a bit gutted not to be having lunch somewhere, but this is a, a welcome second place. So thank you for having us. And Jamie, how about you? I'm calling in from Surrey as well. And yeah, would uh, rather be here than in a wet, rainy London, to be honest with you. So delighted to be on the podcast and thanks for having us. So a little bit about Castero. You're a Lloyd's and you're a global broker. I think you're a scale-up because your team was founded in 2017 and you're offering coverage for property, marine energy, political violence and terrorism, credit and political risk, to name a few. And then in the division the two of you are involved with, you're looking at emerging risks, cyber, fast-growing technology companies and a whole lot more. So we're going to be talking about some of those examples shortly. In simple terms, you've got two sides to the business. You've got the insurance capacity that you're sourcing for more traditional MGAs, and then also the capacity you're sourcing for insurtechs and emerging risks. Jamie Webb, you're Managing Director, and you've been in Breaking since 2006. And James Gadbury, you're a Divisional Director at Castero. And Castero itself is an independent company for the majority shareholder with Heffern and Brokers in the US. Jamie, you are the first broker we've had on the podcast for at least... 12 months. So so no pressure, but you are representing brokers to, uh, to the rest of the world today. So when you set Castero up, you know, what was the motivation to do that from the, the, sort of the previous companies? I think it's really identifying the need and the value that independent brokers play in the Lloyds and global insurance market. And we think there's a gap there for more independent brokers to play a valuable role. I think it's important for both clients and underwriters to have more choice and so we set up the company with that the aim of being a leading independent broker with a very much a focus on innovation which falls under James and my uh, radar. We split our sort of innovation book into two main categories so the first being emerging risks so it could be anything from micromobility to autonomous vehicles or cryptocurrency so we help develop uh, new insurance products for completely new exposures. So um, a good example being the work we've done with CoinCover. So I think the Atrium guys discussed this a bit on a prior podcast. But to summarize, CoinCover's business is a technology company geared towards protecting both corporate and retail investors. So they offer a range of risk mitigation products. We provide an insurance product that sort of sits behind the technology and reimburses their customers for assets held in wallets. So in the event of a hacking event, those customers would be protected. So we launched the product, I think, three years ago now with the help of the what was the Lloyd's Product Innovation Facility, which has just been relaunched as the product Launchpad. So we developed the product there. 
led by Atrium and supported by four other Lloyd's markets. So in the first year, the wallet limit was £100,000 and the aggregate limit was, I think, two million at the time. And having recently renewed that policy, the wallet limit is now at five million and the aggregate limit is up to 20 million. So it's quite a good example of a real success story where a technology company has come to the market needing a completely new insurance solution. Costero, obviously, we've helped sort of develop the initial solution and then expanded the capacity as the product grows. I just jump in there, James, because that coin cover. I think it's a great example of how lawyers can be successful. Don't always realize how important the broker is in making these things happen. Actually, also what's really interesting, just this week, I've had two people ask me about solid metrics for you know, some of these new innovative tech-enabled MGAs. So people see them out there, they see what the funding is, but they don't always have visibility into how well they've grown. So it's really helpful there in terms of just getting some sense of growth for one example, in terms of both you know, premium growth and aggregate limits. I mentioned micro-mobility right at the beginning in there. I would guess that would be scooters as one example, but how would you describe micro-mobility in, in terms of coverage? Yes, typically e-scooter business. So a lot of that business is, is placed into the London market. We're actually working on a, a deal at the moment with an Australian MGA looking to cover third-party liability and personal accident for scooter companies who are operating in Australia. So that's quite a good example of actually of, of the sort of products would be provided in that space. Yeah, it's a really interesting area. I think the world is split into people that are really supportive of e-scooters uh, and those that wish they didn't exist. You won't go down that path just now. Another example in there you, you were just going to use to, to illustrate what you're doing. The second category is really sort of insurtech MGAs who are typically using technology in a way that allows them to sort of better use data in a sort of unique or creative way. And typically that will either improve underwriting performance or the customer experience. So that could be in the underwriting process or the claims process or some element of risk management. So I think a good example of this is a, another client of ours called Nirvana. I think, do you want to just touch upon what they do? So Nirvana are a US domiciled MGA and Lloyd's cover holder who specialize in telematics trucking. And so what that means is they one of the first to embrace the full use of telematics and cameras on board these commercial truck fleets. What that means is, especially from an auto liability perspective, when these track, trucks have accidents on the road, Obviously, there's cameras, not just the front of the cameras, but all around the, providing real-time information that in the event of a claim, they can very easily identify who was at fault, what happened, and therefore that accelerates the claims process enormously, which benefits all parties in the chain. But Nirvana are also using an algorithmic underwriting approach with all the data they're capturing using the telematics, which is not just the cameras on board, but it's also giving real-time data of where these trucks are driving, how fast they're driving, how fast they're braking. It's capturing individual driver scores. So they may have a trucking fleet, may have 50 drivers, 49 of them might be the best drivers in the States, but one of them may not have passed his uh, driving test or be causing that fleet issues in terms of claims and incidents, which will be driving up that fleet's insurance premium. So by being able to capture 
individual data on drivers again it enables the owner of that the insured or the fleet owner to have those conversations with their drivers it may just be a case of needing to reskill and uh, give some further driving lessons and, and tips to that that individual to bring up the overall sort of fleet score if you will but also they automate data on individual drivers motor vehicle records um, previously each driver's motor vehicle record would have to be checked by an underwriter manually. That can all be automated. It also does the same thing with the vehicles in the fleet. So it checks on the, the values of the fleet, the VIN numbers, to make sure that uh, the fleet themselves and the vehicles are in tip-top condition. And that automation will be saving underwriters a huge amount of time. So overall, a combination of all those factors means the the actual collision rate and the loss ratio of Nirvana's book is is running at, at uh, over 20 points better than market average in their first year of trading. So it's always great to see these the, sort of the proof of concept in the sort of technologies that are some of our clients are utilizing is immediately bearing fruit. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg of really of how to use that data. Yeah, I love that example. I mean, it's one of those cases where we can all relate to it. You don't need to be an insurance expert to, to sort of understand the concept of you know, the risk to trucks, the use of cameras, but for those people listening in from the US, and we have quite a big audience in the US, they might be wondering why would a US MGA go and look to place its insurance outside of the US? Lloyd still has numerous advantages as opposed to, for, especially for a US MGA. So depending on the class of business they're in, obviously there's a, there's a huge variety of capacity domestically for admitted insurance products some products are naturally or have always have naturally been written on an excess and surplus basis where lloyds participates and so i think for usmj's you know being able to mirror having admitted capacity and lloyds ens capacity gives them a real advantage in terms of what products they can offer and how effectively they can offer those products so lloyds you know can be uh, more competitive in certain classes and also less competitive. Auto liability is a good example, actually, where most of that on an insurance basis is written domestically. But on motor truck and cargo and physical damage of trucks, Lloyds have always been very competitive, certainly on the smaller fleets, the owner-operator fleets. So I think that's one good example. But also Lloyds has its global licensing of 70-plus of countries where it can operate. And for an MJ outside of the trucking area, you know, they may want to expand overseas and being a Lloyd's cover holder is a really uh, fantastic tool for them to operate and expand internationally. You mentioned a couple of things in there. You talked about product. Of course, that means insurance product, not the sort of product that people might think of outside of insurance. So that's actually the coverage. And then you talked about admitted in there. And so for anyone that isn't familiar with that concept, essentially an admitted insurer or carrier in the US is one that's got a license to write in individual states and has to file its rates and certain rules in the US about when companies are allowed to go outside of the US or go to non-admitted carriers, Jamie, to what you're referring to there. And then I've got, got a question around what it, is it in the organizations you work with that you look for? I mean, you've given some hints already in terms of how you describe them, but if I was sitting here with an MGA and I was thinking about coming to Castero for my coverage or looking for coverage, what would you want to see in me to feel that I was the right kind of potential client for you? We love working with entrepreneurial clients full stop. So if they've come up with a solution to fix a problem and they have a sound business plan that 
they want to bring that concept and idea into fruition, then we love working with them. We love understanding and listening to what, you know, how they're going to solve the problem, what part technology will, will play in that role. And I think that's, that's quite important because you know, we all see a lot of other brokers, underwriters will see a lot of insurtech submissions trying to disrupt or change or improve upon a certain area or problem or weakness within the insurance market. And not all of them being candid have the the right product in terms of policy wording or technology to to sufficiently improve upon the existing traditional. So one of the first things we do is we sit down with that potential client or client, hear them out, hear their business plan, hear their idea, discuss it with them, and make sure it's viable from a both an insurance perspective in terms of linking them with the capacity to provide that uh, capacity for them to write the business but also is sustainable economically in terms of the rating, the rates they want to charge their customers for it, the commission structures, so that the company, the MJ, will be profitable and be around for, for many years to come. And then our skill, I suppose, is, is matching that business plan with the, the best capacity, either in Lloyd's or sometimes outside of Lloyd's. It, Lloyd's isn't always the answer. We access international markets, Bermuda markets, U.S. carriers, to to make sure that we partner our clients with the best capacity for their business plan. And I mean, they've got choices. You know, there's many brokers out there, as you mentioned, there's some big brand names out there. What is it you sort of think about how you develop the business and support these kind of companies? You know, what is attracting them to Castero specifically other than the fact you know, you've got some quite high criteria to actually work with them? But you know, why would they go with you versus somebody else? The feedback we have from clients is that typically we're more nimble and have sort of less bureaucracy perhaps than sort of larger, more corporate brokers. And, you know, the very nature of sort of insure tech business is that it's fast paced and that they're looking to get to the market quickly with a product. So we think we're quite well equipped to sort of help support them with that. I think another differentiator for us is because we have experience in placing a, a wider array of different classes, we've got quite a broad understanding of sort of different concepts and structures of placement. So if you're trying to come up with a solution that's a little bit more outside of the box, we like to think that we're perhaps better equipped to do that. Whereas I think the, the wider market, the trend is very much that you're sort of siloed into your one class of business, which obviously has advantages on one aspect, but equally can lead to sort of less innovation or, or less ability to be creative. So a good example of, our, I suppose, our cross-class uh, experience benefiting our clients would, would be working with a client called Thimble in the States. And Thimble provides online insurance for a, high, a wide range of artisans and contractors. It's a short question set. A lot of data enrichment is pulled on the, on those applicants to to sort of fast track the application. But they started life just offering professional liability and, and general liability on a episodic basis, so coverage down to an hour and up to an annual policy. And they came to us looking for capacity, further capacity for both the PLGL. But then we also offered them property coverage or capacity, accident health, cyber, and events liability. So very quickly, we helped expand that uh, our clients' product range, which obviously benefits them enormously being able to offer their clients a sort of a, almost a one-stop shopping coverage as opposed to a more narrow coverage range of the professional liability and the general liability. That's a really interesting one. And 
PLGL, you mentioned in there, professional liability, general liability, if I've got my acronyms right. And then just another US company, how do they find Castero? Because we source our business from a range of uh, places. Thimble came to us actually via uh, our involvement in the drone insurance space. Uh, they started life as a as a drone insurance episodic uh, insurer, MGA, and then pivoted to artisans and contractors. We're quite fortunate to have a lot of strong backing from our underwriter partners, and we often get uh, leads or introductions from our underwriters. We obviously attend conferences, and, and hopefully our, our good name in the market helps us get introductions to clients at various stages of their life cycle, be it early stage, you know, pre-funding just with the business plan to mature MGAs who have you know who are so sort of well known in the insurance market and are perhaps looking at expanding overseas or expanding in different classes or just working with us to create new products for emerging risks. So it's a wide range where we, we source our business and funny enough on the consistent Castori ski trip we actually bumped into an Australian MGA whilst doing some APRO ski who are now looking to become a, a Lloyd's cover holder and launch in the UK. So it, there's no rhyme or reason where we, we meet these clients and distribution, but uh, we're a hungry, dynamic bunch, and um, it tends to fall into our laps in a, in a variety of different uh, ways. Well, I don't, know about, I don't know about the rhyme, but there's definitely a good reason to do this steroid ski trip again next year if you're meeting clients when you go off and uh, undo it. Well, congratulations on surviving the APRA ski and finding some clients, Jimmy. I know it's quite that's quite hard these days. Uh, and then we've talked about early stage MGAs, but what about those with more more revenue and the sort of more established ones? I think you're doing something there as well, are you? So we work with a number of mature established MGAs, probably more so on the traditional insurances. And I think, you know, for me, true innovation has always been driven by MGAs in the market, potentially for, for a number of reasons. One being that they tend to not participate in the risk themselves so they are naturally more commercial in the way that they view writing business but also because they are often competing against mature mgas mgas are often competing against insurers themselves so they need to have a unique selling point to their product offering which distinguishes them from their larger rivals and so naturally they they tend to add bells and whistles of coverages onto existing traditional policies to help them stand out and innovate that way, or they're always looking to cross-sell and add sublimits of, of coverage to help, again, to help them differentiate. So we've worked with a number of US well-established mature cover holders. Some have been in the market for, for 25, 30 plus years. And it's a different challenge, I suppose, in, in terms of where they're at their life cycles and in the value, that the role that we play. So they're always interested in offering new products, as, as we say, and we, we love to do that. I think part of the skill is, as the broker is just streamlining their renewal process on their existing facilities. So it runs as seamlessly as possible. It takes up as, as little of their time as possible. And obviously, in recent years, there's been a big push around data and sharing information. And so, you know, we work with them to constantly share a high level of risk level data on a real-time basis so underwriters and competitive providers can can accurately understand the business they're writing on behalf of the insurers at any given time. Last point, Jamie, I guess the thing we probably worth touching on a little bit is part of the role of the broker is to know which underwriter or in insurance speak, which markets have got a interest and willingness to, to underwrite certain businesses. I mean, it's partly you know, what they actually have got in their business plan, but partly also you know, the individuals and the personalities. So uh, you've kind of a 
implied it, but I'm assuming that's quite a big part of what you do as well, you know, knowing who's got the appetite for what out there in the outside world. I think there's a lot of competition in Lloyd's and I think, and outside of Lloyd's, but finding and partnering the right syndicates or insurers who have the best compliance team, the best DUA team is often, it's a delegated underwriting authority team, is often quite important for cover holders and especially for insure techs where as james said they they often come to us and they want to launch a product in two weeks we hate to be the the bearer of bad news but insurance world doesn't quite work to that same time frame yet although there's a lot of good initiatives in play that are helping to improve upon those time frames but but often especially with some of our more unusual or complex risks whether it be crypto related parametric whether it be a whole new class of insurance that our clients are looking to uh, uh, innovate, it often falls down in terms of or gets bogged down in that compliance DUA checks that syndicates quite rightly and insurers quite rightly have to perform. But the more unusual, innovative the idea, the longer that process takes. And just to make sure we're clear on what that means, the, the fact that somebody is working with an MGA and essentially delegating the underwriting or the pen, I guess, in Lloyd's speak to that organization, which is why they need to make sure that they're working with someone that they've got confidence can do it. What would you say is so far been the fastest turnaround you've seen when somebody has come up with an idea to actually being able to turn that into a, I'm not quite sure exactly what the term you would use, but you can go live and it can be underwritten. Does depend wildly on on their business plan, on what you know, which territories they're involved in, which class of business, if they're going to have claims authority, etc. But I mean, we've got a cover holder, a new cover holder, tribunalised in, which is the process of Lloyd's approving them, in about four four five weeks. But so it it does depend wildly on what they're trying to achieve. However, Lloyd's have uh, implemented a new fast track innovation process, which we used recently, uh, I think we were the second to go through that. And once the business plan is ready and the managing agent is ready and happy with the business plan, you process it, you, you submit it to Lloyd's, and it took just over two weeks for that uh, business plan and the cover hold application to be, to be approved, which is, which is fantastic. That's great. Well, I mean, if you can buy a bank over the weekend, you know, from like SVB's failing on with Friday and it being sold to HSBC on Monday, I'd hope you know that lawyers could be able to turn around a standard MGA, MGA application in a couple of weeks. If someone turns up to you with a plan, what then happens? You know, they find you, they say, "I'd like you to take me to market." What happens next? I think the key thing initially is is for us to understand, obviously, where their business is at and their their needs, so what they're looking for, and we'll tend to break down. Obviously, the, the process that we've we've sort of just touched upon around uh, sort of the delegated authority process, compliance work that's involved with that, what to expect, and the typical timelines that they can expect from sort of having the initial conversation to actually having a product live that they can go and sell. So sometimes we'll give some initial feedback on what might be more realistic based on our experience of the market and underwriters' appetite or delegated teams. And then obviously potentially refine elements of what they're actually asking for. So whether that be commission levels or sometimes you might see some fairly ambitious income projections or their sort of distribution strategy. So how they're looking to access uh, customers. And we'll sort of discuss that and I guess try and develop it a bit further before identifying 
which markets we think are best equipped to potentially consider that kind of opportunity. Yeah, I, just jumping on that, I think product is essential. Is the product unique enough to disrupt the traditional way of writing that business? I then think distribution is key. You know, underwriters will want to ensure that they have strong enough distribution to commercialize or maximize the commercial opportunity with their product. And then once those two boxes are ticked, it comes down to the infrastructure and the viability, commercial viability or economic viability of the client themselves. Have they got funding? Have they got the tech bill? Are they, have they got enough expertise to deliver? And once those three boxes are ticked, then it gets the green light and then we can proceed with sort of talks around tribunalization, cover holder approval and finding and matching the right capacity. Good example, actually, is a company called Solar. They're a US MGA providing parametric insurance products for homeowners and SMEs. So just to give a quick shout out to James Forbes, who's another member of our team who is very focused on parametric insurance as a sort of almost as a class of business in itself. And he's working on that deal. So we met Solar basically straight out of college and they were in the early stages of developing a product. So we sort of helped hone their distribution strategy. We got them into the ninth cohort of the Lloyd's Lab at the end of last year. And then we've been working with Beasley's incubation team to deliver their first product, which is a parametric tornado product, again, being sold to US homeowners in the Midwest. And obviously with what's just happened in Mississippi, it really brings home the value of having a fast claims payment and immediate relief following an event. So products will pay out within a matter of days rather than months. So if you're a family and you need your roof fixing quickly or you need to stay in a hotel because your house is unlivable, the product caters for those sort of -of out-of-pocket expenses that otherwise might leave you in a bit of a precarious situation. And so the next product we're working on with them is is similar in structure, but will be for other perils. So we're developing that further for wind and hail perils next. That's a really good example of where parametric works because usually very little to debate about was that a a loss or not. I mean, our imagery will show you that, sadly, the whole house might have been is blown away or is certainly there's significant enough damage that you can see clearly you'd make a payout straight away. James, we're hearing a lot about parametric. We're seeing a lot of companies out there. It can be difficult, though, for people outside of the market or out of those immediate transactions to really understand what's happening and what, how many, what the volumes of premiums are that are being placed. You're a lot closer to this. You know, how would you just describe what's happening for people that would like to know? Well, I think what's going on in the wider property market is giving a real opportunity to parametric solutions. We're seeing a real uptick in requests from, you know, more sort of traditional distribution channels where, you know, rates on their property renewal are going through the roof, or it might be a certain peril that's really, that's really impacting that. And where a couple of years ago, trying to explain the value of a parametric trigger or, or claim settlement was perhaps more difficult to sort of demonstrate that value. Increasingly, actually, it makes a lot of sense to split out that specific peril and then place the rest of the uh, property on a more traditional basis. So in the last 12 months, we've certainly seen a huge increase in the amount of requests that we're seeing, particularly from the US market, and is a real area of focus for us. So it's definitely something that's, that's demonstrated its value in the last 12 months or so. 
you know, I'd like to make a point just to reinforce uh, the the importance of the cover holder model within Lloyd's. So last year in 2022, Lloyd's wrote a combined of about 46 billion of gross written premium. We believe about 40% of that was written through the 4,000 Lloyd's cover holders that are in operation today. So that's about 18 billion pounds of gross written premium through cover holders across across the world. And then you have to think, why? Why is that model still so relevant today? And for three main reasons. A, MGAs can or, or tend to focus on one specialty, whether it will be parametric tornado or flood. We have a cover holder called Watercolor, and they're the only specialists in the, in the States that specialize in the water industry. And so it's very difficult for underwriters sitting in Lloyd's to know more about these specialist subjects than the experts in the local area in the States or whichever country they're operating in. But also, they MJs tend to write a high volume of smaller or lower premiums. And it's uneconomic for some of the underwriters in Lloyd's to have that huge volume coming into them into Lloyd's. And therefore, they delegate that to these MJs or cover holders to do it on their behalf. So, you know, it's been a historically, it's been an in- incredibly important part of the Lloyd's ecosystem. And I can only see that growing as, especially in this in, in short tech innovation area where, you know, they can take and be more dynamic in creating new products and writing it on behalf of Lloyd's syndicates as it's almost like a sandbox type testing arena. And cyber is a good example of that where, where syndicates dabbled in the emerging of well, 10, 15 years ago when cyber is emerging because they'd rather delegate that capacity to third parties to, to test the water before bringing it in-house and writing it themselves. And you mentioned cover holder in there. Of course, cover holder is Lloyd's language for an MGA that has got a license to underwrite through Lloyd's for anybody that's wondering. And then also Lloyd's itself has now created an innovation budget with the intention of giving a little bit more flexibility about how syndicates underwrite relative to their business plan. Is that helping you bring more opportunities into the marketplace and more appetite for writing this business? Massively so, yeah. It it was a fantastic initiative by Lloyd's a couple of years back to create this ICX risk code, which is the risk code which this new innovation business can be underwritten under. So the results of it are separated from a traditional class, whether it be property or liability or, or, or marine or energy. And so it allows underwriters to ring fence that from the results of the syndicate and enables them and empowers them to take more risks in supporting calculated risks in supporting new and innovative concepts, ideas, MGAs, clients, and giving them a bit of time for them to develop that product or the rates to make sure it it should be in terms of making a necessary profit margin, adding value to everyone in the the insurance chain. Our only gripe is that uh you know listening to the recent podcast with dawn miller she she mentioned only 10 percent of that budget is currently being used by each syndicate so each syndicate has up to two percent of their total stamp capacity to write under this icx insurance uh, in the innovation risk code and i believe she quoted a, that, that could equate to a billion dollars of green gross written premium which would be fantastic unfortunately if we're at 10 percent, that's 200 million pounds or dollars of of premium written thus far so we would urge a call of arms to our underwriter partners to to utilize that full two percent and help the insure tech and innovation uh industry really really thrive and prosper yeah thanks jamie and thanks for calling out that podcast it was yeah a great podcast well it was all dawn's 
input. Uh, Dawn's commercial director at Lloyd's. That's podcast 226 back in January. Definitely worth listening for anybody that wants to understand you know, what Lloyd's has been doing and in particular what it's wanting to be doing going forward. And I, and I love it when people quote podcasts back to me and uh, statistics that even I myself don't always remember. So I guess you sounds like you've been listening to um, one or two of the podcasts, Jeremy. We all enjoy them at Castero. Um, there's some great guests on there. And I think it's just really fascinating having that, that deeper dive you get on a podcast with, with certain clients in different areas. So yeah, always definitely worth a visit. Well, it's also very good to hear that brokers listening to this because that increasingly not no surprise you know, what you're seeing that a lot of people are looking for engagement from brokers around the world actually to help distribute the products and some of these more complicated ones like parametric. It's implicit in what you're doing, but one of the things you should definitely celebrate is how well you understand that market and how well you understand clients and actually can then find the capacity on the back of it because you know not everybody is doing that but on that topic it's been really good to have you as a partner of instead we've managed to have you on stage a couple of times for our live events we'd love to know what it was that led you to do that and if you know, there's any other things that have come out of it since your uh, since your stage appearance we've definitely had some wins having uh, spoken on stage and and we partnered with markel at one event to promote our fintech and instech E&O uh, crime and cyber product, which is available to all companies under that bracket internationally. But subsequently, we've also picked up a new client in Aurora, who are a UK SME MGA that focuses and utilizes data enrichment and algorithmic underwriting to create a superior for both underwriters and clients. So we're really great for that introduction and working with them. And and also we're talking to Chai, who are a really interesting MJ based in London, who are looking to launch a product in relation to uh, commodity pricing and, and taking the the risk out of manufacturers and the supply chain that they face. So we've had some great early wins, but it's just been a pleasure to to be involved in that you know the ecosystem of innovation and, and, and the emerging risk that is so strong in the London market. And it's important for us just to stay up to date with the fast-moving developments in AI, data enrichment, parametric, you name it. It's, it's imperative that we as brokers stay up to date with those developments so we can advise our clients and our uh, stakeholders accordingly. And then finally, before we wrap up, we have our elevator pitch where I'm going to invite one of you to step into the elevator with me and you've got 15 seconds for people to take away when someone says to them, what were Jamie and James talking about at Castero? This is what they're going to remember. So who's going to volunteer to to join me as we go downstairs? Do you want me to jump in the lift, James? Be my guest. Okay. So, Jamie, you've got 15 seconds starting from now. Over to you. We at Castero understand InsureTech. We understand hard-to-place risks. We have a great track record of, of finding capacity and matching our clients with the best-in-class capacity, and we'd love to work more closely with others going forward. That was great, Jamie. I definitely would support that. You've, you've spoken about some of the examples. You've got a whole lot more. I know people you're working with really been delighted to have your support and really enjoyed learning a lot, actually, from you and, and the team about what we're up to and you know some great companies out there as well. Always really interested to hear some real case studies of people that are doing this on the ground. So I'll let you go for for lunch and we'll see you face to face before too long but jimmy james thank you very much thank you matthew super thanks and thanks to all of the instec team thanks for having us 
Well, you can find out more about Castero, including the video we mentioned, on our website, www.instec.co. And if you are a technology company looking to share your story more widely, then please do contact me, Matthew Grant, or any of our team, hello, at instec.co, to learn more. That's it. We're done. Mm-hmm.